0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's uh I guess a beautiful Sunday morning here in Saskatchewan. Uh this is the King Bowler Show. Uh Mike Petuli. I'm joined by my gorgeous co-host, Daryl Fitzgerald. How's it going, Daryl?
1: Thank you, Mike. Uh uh it's going it's going pretty good. Um baby's been sleeping a lot better during the night, which is really cool to to have to get a few extra hours. And Weather's okay. I'll just say it's okay.
0: Kind of those feb- that normal February weather, right? That's okay. right. Okay, well, before we get into it, I'll just do the normal spear- spiel here. So uh, if you're here, please uh, like, comment, subscribe on the videos here today. Uh, any sort of likes, comments, subscribes. We love them. We love any sort of feedback we can get, any sort of interactions with you. Uh, so just hit those buttons there below. Uh, if you weren't, aren't able to get to the video here today, uh, we are also available on all podcast platforms. So within a day or two the show being live, we do have them on the podcast platforms there. And we also get posted to YouTube uh, usually within a day or so. So you can check us out after the fact as well. So, Daryl, um, I guess we do have... Uh, somber news to sort of start out with again uh, another Canadian bowler uh, friend of the a friend of ours I guess uh, Christy Graham passed away just over a week ago um, so we wanted to start out the show just uh, briefly talk about that because Christy was a pretty prevalent bowler in Canada uh, went to nationals lots I played against it myself quite a few times so uh, I just wanted to say something there and send my condolences out to the, the Graham family.
1: Yeah, that was tough to hear, and that was a shock. Um, uh, obviously, details have been spread around and, uh, and whatnot, but um, uh, to hear that uh, was sad news. I played Christy a couple times in the mixed pairs. Um, once in BC, it was in uh, Parkview uh, on the island. And, um, and then again in Quebec. Um, and I think in Quebec he was with Mary Wright. Um, super nice guy. Uh, really fun to chat with, really fun to play against. Um, just an awesome bowler. Um, obviously really good, um, as many people know who played against him. And uh, just a long time uh, BC, I'll say just BC Legend, like he, he just kept coming out of there in whatever format um, playing and just was always a contender, like always um, always had the skills to to win the championship, so you knew he was always in the mix, so uh, it's unfortunate
0: yeah no we wanted to just start up the show there and uh take a moment for that just because kind of unfortunate it's been that way that for the two shows or two shows in the last little while here we've we've had news like that but i guess that's just the way it is sometimes so i guess if we move on um Right as we finished our previous show, uh, Daryl remembered that we forgot to touch on information we would have liked to touch the last show. So, uh, World Bowls Tour came out with uh, quite a bit of interesting new information. So, they're doing a new format, uh, I guess, new tournament. So, it's uh, pretty much they're going to be having it. It sounds like it's at like the end of March, March 31st, April the 2nd. And it's, I uh, mean, Stanley Indoor Bowls Club. And it pretty much looks like it's uh, allowing more qualifiers into the tournament. So I guess you might know a little more than me, Daryl. Do you want to go ahead? Uh,
1: Yeah, 32 players will complete for the title. Uh, The draw will be filled by the top 16 players from the rankings and then 16 qualifiers. Um, So this kind of say what's new. Um, On completion of the first round of matches, I'm just going to read this so I don't forget anything. Uh, On completion of the first round matches, uh, a fresh live draw will be made to determine who plays whom all the way up to the grand final. Also this year, on top of having the normal show rink, we will ha- be using three other outer rinks at the same time, a bit like Snooker, I guess. Uh, this means we'll be taking a huge number of qualifiers through from the PBA qualifiers. This is the best chance that PBA members uh, will have to get into the world ranking events. Um, there'll be no shot clock in operation during this event. Uh, players will be allowed to wear their own bowl shirt. Um, will be, uh, this will allow players to have their own identity uh, players will also be allowed to use their own bowls, providing they are not blue. Blue bowls on blue carpet will be extremely hard to see, obviously. Um, UK qualifiers will also take place at the Stanley IBC uh, on the three days prior to the main event. And I think that's it. So it's it's it looks like it's um, just another event that they're adding to their slate of, um, uh, of already-in-place events.
0: Well, it actually looks like quite an interesting... Mm-hmm. Well, a good idea in my opinion, just because I know a common, I guess, complaint of a lot of the people from our, our end of the world, the people who have to qualify to get there, is essentially show up and potentially play one game and you're out and go home type of a thing. So this kind of seems like it's giving more games to the people. And then, as you're saying, you can have your own identity. Uh, sort of picking your own shirts, Just assuming they, they kind of aren't uh, something too crazy is pretty much what they they talk about in the provisions there. Right. But I like it. It sounds like it would be a nice event to sort of have a few more qualifiers playing and sort of having that mixture of the ranked and the qualifiers.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've been um, a little bit of a critic of the WBT before where um, I thought they had... When they came in it was awesome it was something new something fresh um the events that they were doing uh, were awesome um they started to change and get onto youtube and facebook and and all that and that was fantastic um i was just really hoping that they'd keep pushing the envelope and i'm glad to see this year that um they're making some changes they're small ones like clothing you know new shirts you know black shorts and and whatnot that they can wear uh this event um, so I'm hoping that they just keep that ball rolling because I think they have an opportunity to really um, push the envelope as far as Bulls go in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, Australia's been pushing a lot of stuff in the Southern, but the um, UK with the WBT, I think, could make some really big changes and some really leaps forward. They're on BBC. They have a YouTube following. They have a Facebook following. Um, you know, it would be nice to see them jump out and, and start taking advantage of all those social media um, uh, followers and, and and people that are um, um, really interested in the WPT and and start to try new things. Um, I think that's that's where I'd like to see WPT go next. Um, this is a great start, but uh, keep pushing forward. Really.
0: Yeah. No. I I'm, I look forward to watching it on YouTube, sort of just to see what the format is. As you're saying, with the primary rink and then some side rinks, it'll be kind of a an interesting format to see the. I guess just different than their standard, um, pl- like movable rink playing on the one and you only see the one and that's all that's there. So yeah, it'll be cool when they do that. So again, that's March 31st, April the second. So just over a month from now, we'll be able to see some more bowls from there. Yeah. So I guess we have a pretty busy show here planned. Um, I guess we'll not really do much of an intro to this, but we do have an interview. So, this is a pre recorded
1: interview that we have. Um, so, I guess, do you just want, do we want to throw it to that now, Daryl? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the intro will be there, but uh, Lindsay Clark, a longtime Jackaroo for uh, Bulls Australia. Um, enjoy the interview, and we'll see you, uh, at the end.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Canadian Bowler. I'm Mike Petulli. I'm joined here today with Daryl Fitzgerald and special guest, Lindsay Clark. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay.
2: No worries. really excited, guys.
0: Uh, So one of our, or I guess the way we usually start out an interview is we we like to give you the floor, sort of explain to us, uh, I guess, who you are. uh, I guess, who's Lindsay Clark today? So...
2: Go ahead. How long you got? No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Lindsay Clark. So I'm an Australian Jackaroo, been in the Australian Bowls team um, going on nearly 20 years, which is pretty cool in itself. I'm 38 and I've been playing the sport for 27 years. Um, So, yeah, got introduced like a lot of people... Um, through my family um, and I've managed to, uh, yeah, win a few titles along my way and, yeah, just love our sport. I love the people in it. Um, I love we can go to pretty much any country in the world and feel welcomed Um, and, yeah, it's just a really great uh, thing to be part of. Uh, Alongside my, yeah, Bowls aspirations and and Bowls career, I'm now a uh, Pathways coach with Bowls Australia, so I look after our Queensland athletes in our emerging and development um, space, so the ones that are sort of the next level Australian um, jack. So, helping develop their game, be a bit of a mentor for them, uh, just help them in, in life and their well-being and a career outside of bowls and stuff like that as well, which is pretty cool. Um, also, a mum and a wife. So, I've got two little ones, six-year-old Kenzie, my daughter, and a three-year-old boy, Harvey, Hurricane Harvey, I call him. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm definitely very busy, but, yeah, I love what I do. I love our sport um, and, yeah, just very happy and content where I'm at at the moment in the crazy state of the world.
1: Well, uh, a lot said there. Um, I'll, I'll just <laughs> fill in a couple things. Um, uh, five World Bowl championship medals, four of them gold, uh, two Commonwealth Games medals, one gold. Uh, like you said, you're the uh, Queensland Pathway coach. And also, um, for those of you that might uh, listen to it, uh, the host of uh, the Right Line podcast with Bulls Australia, along with um, other hosts, obviously, uh, Val Febo, Clive Adams, and Carla Krasanek as well.
2: Yes, that is true. So, <laughs> some more things that keep me busy. I sort of fell into this, uh, like you know, the podcasty hosting side by accident a couple of years ago. And yeah, I just, I love, as I've mentioned, I love bowls and I love talking bowls and getting into people's head and just asking all the questions. Like I'm sure you guys do. So yeah, that's a fun part of our sport.
0: Yeah, so you you did touch on it when you were sort of uh, introducing yourself. Uh, so you're a pathways coach for Queensland. Uh, it's like what exactly? I guess can you just go into a little more detail about like what exactly the pathway coach does compared to I guess the main Jackaroos coach per se. Yeah,
2: yeah. So we're pretty lucky in in Australia. Our um, main sporting Government governing body has supported a pathways program for a few sports across the country. Um, and it's about trying to um, coach or, or find support for that group of players that are, you know, stepping up from just your social sports side of thing, but not quite in the elite level space. So, uh, yeah, in Australia, we've got pathways coaches across the country. Um, and, yeah, we look after those emerging level players and pathways players. We sort of introduce them, I think, for me, a little bit different because I, I was them once upon a time. So, um, you know, talking them through the, the journey from a junior player all the way through to an international football um, gold medalist and how they can get there, uh, just someone to support them in, in day-to-day life. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a big contact person for them and I love that personal side of, of the coaching role. So, being there to, um, you know, answer questions about life or school or uh, the parenting journey. We've got a few, few parents, uh, new parents come through our squad, which has been cool. Um, talking about how to maybe balance life, uh, it can be challenging at times, but if we have the right skills and stuff like that, we can definitely do whatever we want want so um aside from that i do actually coach bowls (laughs) so uh, a a lot of my crew obviously are very talented already so i don't really coach the basics as such unless there's a problem you know they're not getting a, a forehand run we might maybe analyze what their delivery is doing um but for the most part it's just getting them on the green um talking them through some new drills or training strategies they might be in a form slump so we might just sometimes just talking about that can can get it off their mind. So, um, yeah, just be there for that. Um, The Pathways Program, we're hoping it it develops. It's only been in existence since October 2020. Um, And through that time, obviously, like everyone, COVID has impacted everything. So, we've missed a a few events and a few get-togethers. But it's about, we want to combine our pathways and emerging with our Open and our para crew. Um, We've got a really strong para squad over here in Australia now, which is awesome. Um, They are inspirational what they what they can achieve and what they can do and they they also teach us a lot as well so um yeah just combining everyone and, and getting them to experience um what it's like to to be an elite athlete but still actually having to have a normal life as well
1: that's incredible um i mm. uh, being um uh, part of the development side uh, in canada there's a lot of stuff that you said there that um i feel that um i do too as a development coach um helping people come along, introduce them to the more competitive side of Bulls, how to get to Nationals, all that. Um, for me as a player, um, being on the team and then transitioning over to coaching, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience. I wasn't sure I wanted to do it at first. Um, <laughs> for you guys over there, you've got um, Gary, who's now the, uh, the head coach, who was a former player. You've got, obviously, Karen Murphy, a uh, longtime player that's now just transitioned over to coaching. Uh, with you in this... Um, uh, in this role, do you see yourself eventually trying to make that transition and, and take the coaching path?
2: <laughs> Look, I I didn't initially. I, I took on the role or applied for the role because I'm, I'm passionate about sport and development and my state of Queensland, I'm a, a really a proud Queenslander. So I wanted our state to be better and our players to be better and I wanted more Queenslanders in our national squads. Um, now I'm in it and I was a bit like you. I'm a bit like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um I've never, I had a junior coaching um, crew in my club that I looked after and that sort of kick-started my desire to help people. Um, in terms of the national coach, I think, you know, it's a big job. I know Gary, is you know, he didn't have much hair, but he's lost a lot of it. <laughs> and Glass was the same, Steve Glasson before him. But the great thing about him and Karen and, and Glass before him is they're great people. And I think they, it's not just about coaching the sport, but the the person as well. And I think you've had, potentially them on on your show or they're going to be on the show but they talk about people first which is something I'm passionate about as well so if if that culture was the same potentially I could go there it is a massive job I'm not sure my husband would like me to take it on it's a lot of time away and it's it's a big program to manage but um, you know potentially that could be an avenue I'm I really love the athlete well-being space so um, potentially going in, into an athlete well-being role and looking after that side for our athletes could be something I'd like to do but the the great thing in Australia. There's lots of opportunities and for any coach, at, at, you know, from club level, they can step up to being an advanced coach and if they wanted to coach our state and then progress. You don't have to be a great player to be a great coach. I think we've seen it across many sports for that um, to hold true. But I think, yeah, there's there's great opportunities in the coaching world and hopefully if we get some international events happening, it'll be uh, quite exciting. But it is, it is a, a 24-7 job, the coaching role, I think, <laughs> which i probably... As you you know, you guys both being coaches, but you're on all the time. So if, if one of our players needs something at any stage, I'm always open. Uh, yeah, give me a call or, or get in touch. Um, so it is co- quite consuming, but when you love it, it it's uh, yeah, it's not too bad a job. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's it, being a life coach. I guess I didn't realize was such an important part of uh, the, the national team coaching, but I guess it would be something that would kind of go hand in hand with coaching people.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what people don't realize as well, especially our, our youth coming through. They just want to play for Australia, uh, but you, when you get there, you realize you really need to have your life in order to be totally focus on what you're doing. Um, you know, you need to be f- feeling up and about and, and making sure everything's under control at home for you to be in your best you know, mental position. Bowls is such a mental game that everything, you know, you need to balance everything right and blend it right. So you come in giving it your all and, and being in the best position for your teammates as well. So it is a huge part of, of making sure our players are in the best space to perform well on the bowl screen.
0: Yeah, like um, I guess... We did. You did touch on this earlier. So um, you've you're essentially going on 20 years uh, playing with uh, the Jackaroos There um, is there something specifically, or I guess uh, for the long term success, is there anything that? you've sort of would hold as like a a key to your long-term success or is it something that's just kind of been an ongoing process you've had to keep working on like sort of get the life in (laughs) order as you're sort of saying
2: yeah a bit of both I think because my life journey's changed over those 20 years as well it's it's changed uh, about what's made me successful I think the this point in time, it's definitely the support and my support team I've got around me. So um, I've got a, a very supportive husband and my mum and his mum that, that help manage the load at home. We are away a lot. So with two little ones, we need to make sure our, our support crew's in order. And if I didn't have that, I couldn't do what I do. So um, I suppose, yeah, this point in my career, it's been... support and even from our national team they're really um and and have had to find their way with mums on tour and um, new dads and and how we balance all that and making sure that again we're family first if something ever happened at home you know we know that we've got the support from our national team that we can manage that and and be open to coming back into camp or whatever it is so yeah probably that support and I think early days on the flip side all I did was I wanted to play for Australia, um, I wanted to play at my best and that meant training as much as I possibly could and putting the work in so that when I was given opportunities I, I didn't hope to play well, I, I could develop my confidence because I'd, I'd done the work before. Um, so I guess, and that's something I, I try and instil in my players now is, yes, we all want to play for Australia and a lot of people have natural ability and they can get away with just being naturally talented. But I think when when you're in the crunch, it's a, you know, World, World Bowl's you know, gold medal match and it's, you're down to your last bowl. the nerves are going to be there. You're going to be anxious. It's going to be a, a big stage, but you want your body and your mind to know that you have done this shot a thousand, hundred thousand times before in training. So all the work you've put in is for this moment. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, working hard um, early in the early stages of my career really, I guess, set me on the right foot. Um, I think I've tried to be a a good sports person, I guess, off the field as well, so making sure you're humble and gracious and um, all all those qualities that really good athletes can possess. I've I've made sure I've tried to to, uh, be be that sort of person as well, which I guess has kept my longevity in our sport. If if you're a great player but you're a bit of a dud person, I don't think that would float very well over here for very long.
1: (laughs) Uh Um, so, uh, talking about, um, your long career, um, you've done so many things. We, we talked about, you know, you're on the podcast, coach, um, won a ton of medals. What's the next big thing on your plate to achieve?
2: Look, I think for me, the world bowls on the Gold Coast in 2020 was going to be a bit of a, maybe Finale for me, that would have been a, a home Commonwealth Games in my hometown. Uh, well, bowls in my hometown, sorry. So that was something that was a real big carrot. Um, the fact that that was postponed until twenty twenty three. That's definitely something on my bucket list to um, to try and make that team again, uh, which is is sometimes the hardest bit over here in Australia. We've we've got such depth and talent and quality, so to make that final five is is a big journey. But, um, yeah, I think the World Bowls in my hometown would be a pretty special one. Uh, obviously, the Commonwealth Games is our next focus, so trying to get to Birmingham this year, again, we've got a really talented squad. It's been, like every country, very disjointed, our prep and, um, you know, trying to get some trials in and that sort of jazz has been tricky. But, yeah, doing everything I can to make that um, Commonwealth Games team, I think, is my next focus.
0: Yeah, like... Okay. Commonwealth Games, I guess, is the next, the big one, as you're saying. So I guess um, Commonwealth Games is going to be in England. Uh, traditionally, uh, Australian teams have struggled to win a gold medal, uh, I guess, at the Commonwealth Games on the Northern Hemisphere Green. So I guess uh, with the pandemic, everything that's kind of been happening over the last year, has there been anything specific or I guess any extra work that's being done in the, the background by the Jackaroos to try and potentially, I guess, climb that mountain, win the the gold medals there on a Northern Hemisphere green.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it is a it's a huge challenge, mainly because we can't replicate the conditions in the green surface that they have in in the Northern Hemisphere. So um, we're very spoilt with with beautiful greens in Australia, which is our downfall sometimes when we travel <laughs> elsewhere. Um, but we have we've got some greens over here. So Mount Tambourine, uh, one of the clubs in Queensland, have made a really lush, probably one of the most similar. Uh, greens we can find in Australia to a UK condition, so we've um, yeah we've got some really good greens to try as much as we can replicate that. Uh, we've also bowls Australia have employed Andy Thompson, one of England's greatest of all time, um, and Ellen Faulkner now on a HP team, and their knowledge and and their skill um, over there in the UK. Uh, for us to tap into that has been really great. We've had some Andy masterclasses and um, so it's not sometimes we we do sort of know the style they play and and how we should play, but it's just reaffirming that constantly. Um, He's been great and so experienced and and great to learn off. Um, I think we've been doing a lot of, of virtual things like most people, so a lot of Zoom meetings, which I think, uh, it's probably made us tighter and stronger as a squad, I think. I don't know. Like, we we don't have a lot of national uh, squad camps in a year, but we've had a lot of Zoom meetings where we get together and just talk life. So I think that will definitely help the team that eventually gets selected. Um, but just I think, you know, our mentality is... We're not thinking, yeah. You know, we've never won up there before. We were a, a silver medalist in Glasgow uh, in 2014, so we feel like we've got a bit of unfinished business. Just to go that one step further, I think Glasgow was definitely one of our stronger performances. We got a couple of bronze and a silver, so we know we can get to that pointy end. We've just got to go that little bit more, and I think what Bowls Australia have tried to do with, with employing these people and, and um, trying to unite us as a team and um, be there and support each other will definitely help. Um, hopefully, ours achieve our gold medal dreams in the UK. <laughs>
1: uh, talking about the pandemic, um, obviously in Queensland, um, you've had, uh, I guess, a little better process as far as um, being able to bowl and having a little more openness and, and not so many lockdowns. Um, what's it been like for, um, for those in Australia with all the lockdowns and um, not being able to bowl at all?
2: Yeah, it's been really hard. And, yeah, I am a Queenslander, so throughout the worst of it last year, we were really lucky. Um, We only had some three-day lockdowns here and there and we were one or two cases every now and then. Um, But that made it a bit challenging for our our squaddies and our our mates that are in Sydney or in Victoria and I think Victoria had the longest lockdown in in the whole world. So um, it was a challenge. But I suppose we all took, we we got together a lot um, with with meetings and stuff, and we were all trying to find a bit of a silver lining, so whether it was taking on a new uh, career, whether it was taking on some study... uh uh, whether it was you are finding a new hobby, um, a few of our crew had babies in that time, um, so that yeah, we try to make positive. We don't often have a lot of downtime, so it was challenging. I think for those you know those that were on their own, I think was probably the hardest. So we tried to get around those guys as much as possible, um, but there's nothing like getting back on the green, and I think it's it has definitely made people more hungry. And when, when we get out there, we, we managed to get an Australian Open in, in June last year, which, looking back, was incredible. Um, but uh, it was probably our Jackaroo, one of our most successful Australian Opens as a, as a squad of Australian players because we were just keen as mustard to get out there and compete. So I think that's definitely a, a positive out of it. I think bring on Commonwealth Games because we haven't had an international event for probably two and a half years by the time that rolls around. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: talking about the Commonwealth Games, i um, like it's there's kind of been talk that it's a bit on, on shaky ground at this point. Potentially could be one of the last Commonwealth games where Bulls is involved. Um, so what what do you think the Commonwealth Games means to bowls as a sport?
2: Oh, it's, it's huge. It, it's our Olympics. It's uh, the biggest thing you can aspire to. I know when I was a kid, I wanted—I didn't realise, but when I was 11, my goal was to play in the Olympics <laughs> for bowls, and then I got told a few years later we're actually not an Olympic sport, so that wasn't ideal. But um, Commonwealth Games is the same. It's, it's a, a multi, multi-sport event, so the fact that our bowlers, like in Australia, we could mingle with our swimmers, and the boxing crew, the hockey girls, like it was a huge experience in terms of an athlete. To get that. Um, I'd like to hope. I think you know a lot of the countries that um, bid for the Commonwealth Games are bowls um, oriented. So hopefully, there's you know there's a space there for bowls. I, I think definitely that. Uh, potentially, the way we, we run our sport in a Commonwealth Games may change. Um, we've already seen, obviously, uh, that the introduction of the red and blue bowls um, are going to happen, which I think will be great for the for the viewers at home, uh, for people that might want to just tune in and watch a quick sport. That might be the next step. But uh, I definitely think there's a huge space for for bowls, and I think the more people that see it in in a quick, fast format that's colourful or easy to follow, I think for a non-bowler. Um, I think the key is it needs to be easy to follow and and you don't have to sit there for three hours and watch, you know, like test cricket. You know, there's definitely a space for our traditional form of bowls, but I think uh, things like the BPL we've introduced in Australia or the the quick, fast format um, already in the World Bowls Tour, watching just green and red bowls is just easy. You can just tune in and watch it and it's just easy to follow. So um, I'd like to think that we can um, develop our sport to, to be... Uh, something that other countries that maybe aren't bowls mad would want in their Commonwealth Games because people like to watch it. It's a fun thing to enjoy. You can easily get behind it, um, and it's just a great sport. So, hopefully, this won't be one of the last. I would like to think that bowls is is around for the long term. Um, and I mean, we'll always have our world championships and stuff like that. But I think Commonwealth Games is just a pinnacle because it's such a big event, and it, it's probably where. Most of our people get, no, you know, we never get free to air TV really with bowls at prime time. So um, yeah, hopefully it continues on.
1: Um, keeping along that line, um, there's another role that we didn't mention at the beginning. Um, and honestly, with um, being a mom and all those other things, I don't know how you can continue to do it, but you're also <laughs> part of um, the Olympic advisory committee for world bowls. Um, and I would think that, the success of Commonwealth Games, keeping it um, in the realm of bulls, um, making all these changes would directly affect uh, what you guys are doing as far as trying to get bulls into the Olympics. Um, has there been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, needing to change that format and not have long games and and some of the stuff that the uh, Commonwealth Games is actually trying to do?
2: Yeah, 100%. The, the funny thing is we actually uh, started the advisory group before the news came through that the Commonwealth Games, that bowls wouldn't be a course sport. So we've gone from being let's get bowls in the Olympics to kind of be like, okay, we need to make sure we also continue to get bowls in the Commonwealth Games. Um, so, I mean, it go, it does go hand in hand. Everything we are discussing and um, we're getting uh, people to come in and help analyse some certain things and um, it, it definitely will work together in that Um I think we definitely have talked it's a, a, an amazing group of people that's on the advisory group and having all this knowledge from around the world and in the business space and the sports space um, is going to be fantastic but uh, yeah we've talked about we were watching i think rock climbing all these random sports we watch in the olympics like why did we sit there and watch this guy climb up the wall and done in like a second you know like so what what can we take with bowls to make it a a little bit more um attractive for a country that isn't bowls mad why would they want bowls so it is it is talking shorter games uh potentially less people uh more color like all that talks going around the table and and just trying to work out why why people aren't maybe watching it and how we could get them involved in some of these random sports that we sat there and watched, why do we sit there and watch them?
0: That that sounds like quite an interesting... uh i guess group to be a part of because a lot of those things are i guess experimental type of things that mm. you almost want to see if it would work or what you could yeah. do to make it work so i guess is there any sort of like preliminary plans to test out any of these kind of maybe different formats or like more color whatever it might be is there any sort of plans underway or is that something kind of in the background there
2: Yeah, it's sort of in the – we've only had a couple of meetings at the minute, so just throwing around some ideas, just getting a general, like, where are we at now? I think that's um, our first port of call, getting some people in to advise us on that, you know, looking into some research and stuff like that as to what we could do. Um, Things like the BPL over here in Australia, I'm not sure if – much gets televised worldwide, but um, that's been a really, it started off, uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago as a, a little example um, or test run with short games, you know, two sets of five ends, at one end tie break, substitutes, crowds, colour, um, and that's just taken off in Australia. And now people have taken the BPL format into a club or into, you know, barefoot bowls, which is which is huge. But it's, it's a little bit of a, a fun sort of game for just a random person to play. They don't even need to know bowls. So um, using that as a bit of a test case going forward might be good. I think Bowls New Zealand have done something similar with their um, Bowls 3-5 event. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely things that we can look at and see the success of and maybe build on. Potentially, I mean, I'm very much a traditionalist with with my bowls, like starting 27 years ago. So, you know, I'm all for the like the three hour match and you know, hanging on to the last bowl and that sort of jazz. But I think there, there will be a space for that. But um, yeah, we just we definitely need to change the game to, to make it more attractive in this environment. People just want things quick and fast and easy. That's it.
1: <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm uh, playing so long. I could sit. I can sit there and watch a Forest match for three hours and be yeah. perfectly fine and really engaged on what's going on. But yeah, <laughs> you think about the casual fan, you know, those that may be just getting into it or just stop by to, to see what's going on and they can't sit there for three hours and watch a match. There's yeah. no way.
2: And they wouldn't have it. Yeah. They wouldn't have any idea. And it's not easy just to jump in and follow. So if there was, if it was like a, yeah, tennis game, like, Oh, well that set's gone oh, this is exciting. They'll have, you know, five ends to come back or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think we are progressing and I think, you know, there's there's such a big space that we could do more. But, um, yeah, it's just a little bit of more research, a bit more time and, yeah, maybe doing some test runs out there.
1: Yeah, I think people are starting to realise um, that changes are are needed to be made with the decline of players. Um, and then looking at other sports that um, have made those changes and have had more success. I mean, Rugby Sevens. Um, I wouldn't watch a rugby game normally. Um, yep. I'll watch rugby sevens all day and, and have yep. no problem with it. So um, yep. those kind of things really help. Um, yeah.
2: I, I think that was the case with when the cricket, when our cricket went to like the IPL or we had the big bash here in Australia, the big, I was not really a cricket fan. And then I started, started watching big bash. Cause it was exciting. It was an hour off we go, let's watch it colorful. And then now that, has eventually got me into watching a bit of test cricket. I'm like, oh, actually, this game is actually pretty cool. Let me watch a little bit for a few days. So, yeah, that really helped, I think, bowlers go, oh, maybe there is a space for something shorter and more colourful in bowls.
1: Absolutely. Um, With all the stuff that you've uh, got going on, um, you've now become sort of a, a part of bowls media. Um, you've got yeah. the Right Line podcast uh, under Bulls Australia. We see you on the sidelines of BPL. We do watch the BPL uh, here. For those ah, that nice. are really hardcore and um, are excited for Bulls, we do watch the BPL and, and we enjoy it. And I um, was really excited to see you uh, uh, sub for the Murray Steamers uh, for a little <laughs> yes. while there. That was fun. And Ryan, oh,
2: good old Canadian Ryan Vesta.
1: <laughs> that's right. So definitely Canadians saw you play uh, if they were watching Ryan play, that's for sure. Um, how did you um, come into these roles and and become such a, a part of that media? But.
2: Yeah, look, I think I was pretty lucky, I think. I'd done a lot of um, just basic commentary at the time, uh, so going back 10 years, just jumping in. And I love talking, obviously, <laughs> um, and I love bowls, so it seemed to be a, a quite a good fit there for me. So, yeah, I just fell into doing some commentary behind the scenes. And uh, two years ago, one of the, the Fox Sports host ladies uh, couldn't make the BPL for uh, not sure what reason. Anyway, um, our marketing and, and communications manager asked if I I'd be interested in doing this hosting role live tv in front of the camera and about 50 percent of me was really nervous and because i'm uh, i am a fast talker so i thought oh no i'm gonna have to be when you're live you can't really afford to make too many bloopers um and then i was like no nah, let's go with it so um yeah there's 50 percent of me that went okay let's have a crack was the good, good Linny. So, well done, (laughs) Lindsay. So, yeah, I just went along and then um, my favourite bit was they do your hair and makeup. I felt like a totally, total celebrity there. So, I'm getting my hair and makeup done and looking all fancy and the bowls were, because I don't wear much makeup and I don't do my hair much. (laughs) So, they were very surprised. They're like, oh, Lindsay, there you are. Um, Anyway, then I just, yeah, I got out there super nervous, but the players, like I know all of them, Um, I know our game inside out. So, I felt once I got going, and I can slow down my talking, um, I just loved it. Yeah, I just loved getting into their head and maybe asking questions that a, a general um, uh, broadcast host might not know because they're not bowls. There's definitely a space for that as well. So Jack, who I work alongside of, is amazing and, and incredible professional. So he's a more professional one. I'm the more... Uh, uh, colorful one you could say <laughs> um, and yeah I just yeah, just love it yeah I fell into it and now I'd, I'd much prefer with the BPL I prefer to host it um, get in there with the action, ask all the questions um, and yeah just really passionate about the game so I just you know I think that comes through potentially maybe in, in when I'm hosting and asking these questions um, and yeah so hopefully we get the next BPL off the ground at, at the end of February and I can get out there again and yeah it's pretty fun Oh, and the podcast, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) I I do, yeah, we got the podcast going this year and I'd never done a podcast before. So I was like, okay, do we need it? A camera do i what what are we doing here <laughs> um but yeah so we got that off the ground uh mainly you know we had lo- lots of people locked down across the bowls world across our country so we thought if we could talk some bowls a, a bit of banter have a bit of a laugh and um maybe give some ideas to clubs that were in lockdown um and then now we've had some events go on so getting some good guests on to talk about their their life in bowls or their life away from bowls or getting to know people um, aside from just uh, the bowl's face of somebody. So, yeah, that's been really fun as well and just love talking to people and talking our sport.
0: Yeah, I was going to say watching the BPL, you, it definitely comes through that you, uh, you enjoy yourself and that you, you have <laughs> a, a good perspective when you're, as you say, you're interviewing people, you get right in there and you actually have a very... I guess, fun perspective to get that kind of the player side of it and know that sort of the background knowledge. Yeah, So it's, it's quite enjoyable, very noticeable when you're watching BPL. Ah, so.
2: Cool. That's good I, to I, hear. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so I guess like the, the one other aspect we haven't really touched on was I guess, sort of being a, a, a jackaroo. So being part of the Australian national team, very prestigious Um, there's a lot of sort of expectations that go along with being a Jackaroo. Uh, So what sort of expectations and I guess, what do you do to keep your, I I guess, to meet those expectations and keep your game at the the level that it's required to be a a Jackaroo?
2: Yeah, I think um, prior to COVID, we might just talk prior to COVID because the last two years has definitely changed. Um, But yeah, I think, when I first came into the Australian team in 2003, we we didn't really have a high-performance program. It was sort of that you got picked um, if you won a few events or if you were sort of seen on, on the national scene, you got sort of picked into the team and off you went and good luck. Um, but, yeah, I managed to get under the wing of Kara Murphy, one of our greatest of all time, maybe one of the world's greatest of all time, um, and she sort of guided me along along the way. And all that stuff I talked about off green, you know, her humbleness and her, her being a good sports person and a good leader and um, a great mentor, I felt very lucky to be under her wing. But, um, yeah, back then there wasn't too much going on and uh, we had Cameron Curtis and Ian Schuback jump on board um, and become our high-performance coaches. (laughs) And they um, put in a pretty strict high-performance program, so it was about... Uh, You know, doing our training drills probably two or three times a week, or you know, it's not about potentially get out there for two hours, it's about um, making your time out there count. So, for me, training for two hours by the end of it, I'm just flat. I'm my drill scores weren't great, so I worked out pretty quickly. I need a short, sharp session. Um, I might do a couple of drills in an hour and then get off, and then I'd come back the next day and do something similar. Um, So, yeah, it's just working on our drill skills. Uh, We do a lot of match simulations as. Well, so on the Gold Coast, there's a lot of Australian jackaroos, so we try and catch up with each other when we can, um, and just go through maybe a singles or a pairs and, and do some match simulations because you, you know skills are great for developing consistency, and then that confidence comes in a game because you can utilise that. But you there's no good just being a great skill player; you need to be able to put that into action when know the the pressure's on and you're in in a game situation so doing a lot of match simulations was um, important Um, and then our fitness and psychological side as well so uh, we're expected to do three training sessions a week um, and that's a mixture of strength and endurance sort of work as well and then just working on our mental side so we've had sports sites we've had uh, books to read we've had uh, podcasts these days to tune into but that mental side is is such a Big component of our sport. That if you've got that right, then the rest will come. If you've put in the work on the green and you've got your mental side um, right, then that's a perfect recipe for success. So it is. It is. Uh, we're expected to do a fair bit, um, but it's such a prestigious place to be and. You know, sometimes you're like, Oh no, I've got to do get out there and do another drill or I've I've got one session left and you don't feel like it, but you've got to what motivates us, I think, is the fact that there's very few people that can play for their sport in anything. Um, and in the bowls world, you know, people are, are biting at our heels in Australia to get our sport. So for us to keep our spot and, and retain our position, we need to be doing the work, otherwise you'll you'll be found out very quickly. Um but, yeah, and then just getting together at, at um, events where we can and making sure when when we've got opportunities that we're playing the best we possibly can so that, you know, you Australian selectors are watching all the events across the country. So we want to make sure we're performing well domestically as well as internationally.
1: So you were talking a little bit earlier about, um, obviously, you've got um, a new coaching staff. I mean, Gary's been a part of it for quite a long time, uh, moving into yep. the head role, and now you've got Karen in there and that um a good reason why they're they're so good in their spots is because they're good people. Um, mm. Watching the Australian team work together over the years um, in different uh, formations and different people, it always seems that you guys are super chummy, um, get along really well. Is that a really important aspect of of why you guys have so much success?
2: Oh. Yeah, I, 100% I think so. And I think, you know, that the staff has changed over the years, but it comes kind of that, that um, those values and, and that culture comes from the top down. So our, our CEO and, and the board, everyone's very supportive of the high performance space. Um, you know, we've got a great team leading the development of their sport and the grass roots level so we were able to manage um all facets i guess of of bowls in in our country but that support and that culture it starts at the top and then our coaching staff feel that and they're able to bring that and then our playing group also feels that um i mean it's not we're not all best best friends uh but we know that when we get together we we love each other's company um we can respect each other um and we know that we've all done the work uh, to ensure that we're going to be at our best together. And we're all, always supportive of each other. You know, we're, if anyone's out there, we're right behind their rink supporting them. Um, if anyone's struggling just in life, we're all, all behind them as well. So we definitely have a, a great cultured program. Um, and we all. I think the main thing is we just love what we do. We, we all feel very fortunate to be in that space. I think through, through our first lot of COVID lockdowns, it was a big shock to everyone in the bowls world because a lot of us worked in clubs um, and had jobs coaching and that sort of stuff, and that just shut down and, and we had nothing. So it was a scary time, but the fact we had our support network was a, a massive saviour for a lot of us, I think, um, and that's made us stronger again. But, yeah, it's definitely, it's a culture and it, it, it's a philosophy that starts from the top and just filters its way through. And I think it makes us, as, as a jackaroo, come out the other end when we retire or we're finished as better people just in life. So um, I think that was one of their key principles from Bowls Australia is making us better people, um, and that starts at the top. So, yeah, very, very fortunate.
0: Uh, so there'd be a lot of bowlers out there uh, that look up to you, sort of the achievements, everything you've done over your career. Uh, so pretty pretty big inspiration to a lot of uh, up-and-coming players. So like, what kind of advice would you offer to anyone trying to make it to the international stage or trying to make their countries national?
2: Um, there's a lot. (laughs) I'd start with, you have to love what you do. If you don't love it, then you're not going to, like the hard times are hard. Like it's not all rosy, smooth sailing, you know, wonderful gold medals all the time. There's times where we've struggled or we've had major disappointments, you know, the heartbreak that we've got to bounce back from, from and be resilient about. Um, but if you love it and you're that passionate about it, then you'll work harder to make sure you don't feel that way ever again so i think you've got to love what you do um like i said earlier you've got to put the work in so you've got to train your butt off so that when you come to one op you might just be given one chance somebody has they're sick you have been called into the australian team you need to know that this is your one chance and you're prepared because you train as much as you can um you've performed as much well as you can in events things like that um and that You're not going to hope that you play well. You're going to know you can do it because you've put in the work. So love what you do, work hard, and just have a good support network. I think people surround yourself with people that believe in you, that are willing to help you achieve what you want to um, in any way they can. I think you you can't do it on your own. So, um, yeah, making sure you've got a good support network and then and making sure you appreciate them because you get to the end and you've won a gold medal. It's not just yours, it's, it's everybody. So I think sometimes my family appreciate or love or enjoy that success sometimes more than you do or I do in the moment. Um, and that makes me really proud. Like a lot of what I do is for, for my crew, not just myself, which is pretty cool. Uh,
1: so the final question for me. Um, over the, the pandemic, we've seen, I guess, a fair number of high-profile bowlers retire. Um, Joe Edwards in uh New Zealand um Sharon McElroy took a little hiatus Karen Murphy retired um I mean Steve Glasson moved on from from the national team as well are you surprised by a lot of these moves with the 2 year uh break
2: um yes and no I mean a lot of those guys have been like me like 20 30 40 years in the sport and um I think Glasson Caz they that it was 2019 when Kaz retired so it was prior to like she must have known (laughs) that (laughs) that we're not going to have international events for two years but um yeah Glass I think you know he was 10 years in the role and and it was the end of I guess the Australian New Zealand campaign that we had for those 10 years and it was you know going to the UK so he felt it was time to start a new chapter um I think Joe and Shannon had stuff going on it it didn't really surprise me because it is a lot I think that, like I said, our support networks as well. It's a lot for everyone to keep the balls juggling in the air and keep it, it smooth sailing. Um, I think, and those guys, like I say, they've been involved for a long, long time. So potentially, you know, different opportunities or maybe wanting to spend more time with family. If, if you experience then you know, that time that, you know, we've had a lot of downtime from from our sport, which we've probably never I've never had in 20 years. Um, It's like, oh, this is quite nice, actually, to (laughs) to see your family and make birthday parties and see your friend have their baby and go to a wedding. Like, a lot of the time we haven't been able to do that. So, um, I think it depended on how strongly motivated you are to still have things to achieve or if you just wanted to go down a different path. So, it, it was surprising and it wasn't in the same boat like I think they easily could have gone on to be successful in what they were doing but I can easily see how they maybe had different goalposts so yeah sad I think it's sad for the sport because they they were icons I and mean, they still are icons yeah. of our game but now just yeah in a different way
0: well, I guess Daryl said that was the last of his questions uh I don't have anything else that I <laughs> I I, 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 need, I really need to ask here either so is, is that all we got here Daryl?
1: I think so, yeah uh, it's It's been fantastic uh, Lindsay, um, we were so pumped uh, to hear that you were going to come on the show and um, interview with us Obviously we see you on BPL hear you on um, the Right Line uh, podcast um, I know you uh, a lot of people know you just from um, seeing you play uh, I've been fortunate enough to see you play in person which is fantastic as well so um, just fantastic and, and thank you so much for coming on
2: Oh, no worries. Hopefully we can see each other again one day. (laughs) But keep doing, yeah, I think things like podcasts and this getting out information and, um, you know, good stories out to the Bowls world in this time is super important. So great job to you guys as well and look forward to tuning in.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And we're back. That was uh, a great interview. (laughs) Filmed it a a little while back there, Daryl. Uh, how did you enjoy
1: that one? Oh, it was interesting to um, to have it played back. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded that one. That was uh, just was before it? January? Yeah, was it? I
0: thought it was just before Christmas. Well, maybe but it was just yeah. before Christmas that one too.
1: Actually, yeah. um, <laughs> we've done we've done a few interviews. We've got a bunch lined up that we're we're just kind of trimming down, editing a little bit, um, and we've got more interviews on the way because we've had some people after seeing these interviews kind of say, Hey, you know, uh, we're willing to do some interviews with you. So, um, it was great to see. Um, Lindsay was awesome. That's all I can say. Uh, I can see why she does so well on the BPL and, and on the podcast. Cause she's just a great talker knows her stuff. And, um, there wasn't a question that phased her. She was just rolling right through it. It was, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, she was, she was great to chat with there. She, she had plenty of <laughs> a spunk to, uh, to the conversation uh definitely helped us out a, a few of the times there as you're saying just rolled through the questions, so it was actually a, a pleasure to interview
1: here uh while we're in the interview uh, just a quick shout out to uh to adam randall uh thank you for the donation uh 799 australian um like we always say um we don't promote the um the donations and the subscriptions and all that other kind of stuff but um uh, everything means a lot to us we We take every little bit of of money that comes through this podcast and we put it back in you know equipment cameras mics um you know upgrading all of our stuff to to make it just that much better so uh thank you very much adam you're you 're always a great supporter and we we really appreciate having you in the chat um kathy Greener said uh, really enjoying lindsay um it was that 's great uh we, we we thought that everybody would enjoy that interview so we're we're glad that you did and, uh, John Seitman, uh, just saying, uh, when she said, um, for the sport, you've, you got to enjoy it. If you're, if you're going to, um, try to be part of the national team, enjoy it, work hard, really enjoy your, um, your, your travel up to the national team and setting those goals and, um, and being part of the sport. So, uh, yeah, thanks guys for being in the chat. That was awesome. Uh, we were watching it and reading it as we were going through.
0: Yeah, no, we, we like to sit there in our cameras and our muted microphones and read the chat with, with looking at one one another. So I guess we have a, a few more topics we wanted to cover before we signed off for the day. Um, so the one that I I guess I was the first one to kind of alerted you to it uh, was about a month ago. So Central Park Lawn Bowling Club in New York um, has kind of fallen into disrepair. Uh, so pretty much there's a petition online we'll post the link here so if you want to go in there and help sign the petition, please do uh, so it's Central Park Lawn Bowling Club uh, was kind of from the story they have there, it looks like it was a good running surface, uh, good green that they were using quite often kind of in the mid-2000s even into the 2010s and then sort of over the last about 5-10 to 10 years the greens have deteriorated um, I'm not sure if it's the Central Park Committee or whatever it would be, uh, hasn't been taking care of the greens as well. And so the greens have uh, really deteriorated. And they've, they've posted some photos and pretty much petition to try and get uh, whoever controls the greens there to essentially step up and do sort of either renovations or some extra work to kind of bring them back up to, to par. Uh, so there are pictures, there's everything within the link we'll post. And any sort of signing, if you're willing to do that, or um, just looking into their cause, maybe sharing it if you can, uh, would be helpful for them, because I know they're trying to get some changes made there so that they, they can bring those brings those greens back up to the park.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll try to share it on our social media. Um, we have a, a link in the description below. If you uh, just scroll down, you can read that. Um, it, it's unfortunate. So uh, for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, you might not uh, know about it Um the central park big park in in new york uh they have a, a long bowling green in there that not many people know about it it might not seem like a big deal it's it's one green but um in the in the northern hemisphere north america um, especially in the united states there's not a lot of bowling greens as you start to go north um california arizona is kind of that hub florida as well but as you start going north, north, north towards Canada, um, the greens become less and less. And I think this is uh, a huge hit, um, especially to the northeast area um, of Lombos for the United States. So we want to send our support to them, um, s- sign the petition. It won't cost you anything, but uh, hopefully it will bring some eyeballs um, to this problem and hopefully uh, help them get their, their greens back into the, uh, the playable uh, area of Bulls for, for North America.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've wanted to visit that place, well, New York in general, but I've wanted to go to the, see that green because a couple of people that I've that talked to have been there and they said it's actually quite a nice located green because it's right there in Central Park. It's uh, kind of nestled into an area, like a nice little part of the park. So hopefully uh, there can be some action there. So definitely do what you can if you can share it. If you can sign that petition, that'd be great for them. So Daryl, I guess the last the last point of uh, what we wanted to cover was so continuing with our sort of Commonwealth Games slash other national teams selections, uh, Bulls Ireland came out with essentially announcing their uh, kind of their elite squad that they have for the next year and a bit. Uh, so they didn't announce a Commonwealth Games team or anything but they announced essentially their shortlist for all the people that could be picked over the next, I believe it was 18 months or something along those lines. Um, what were your thoughts on the, 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 the team there, Daryl?
1: I'm not going to lie. I, I got confused between, um, the IBA, the IBF and then the women's side. I don't know the acronym for their side, but I kept clicking on links and I kept jumping back and forth between, um, uh, associations cause they are split. Um, I mean, it's a good squad. Uh, I mean, um, we'll be kind of hotly anticipating what their Commonwealth Games team will be. Um, one, one name that was not on their, their list of actual players on the team was Gary Kelly, but they did have a clause, I think, at the bottom that said um, they do reserve the right to pick Gary Kelly, who's one of the um, more well-known um, Irish bowlers on the scene. You see him in BPL and down in Australia all the time. Um so an uh, interesting announcement because uh I know especially for Canada and probably for other teams, um it's been we've, we've really hesitant to try to start pushing the the new selection process for the refresh of the actual national team. We've been focused on trying to figure out of the athletes that we have who's gonna go to the Commonwealth Games coming up really shortly. So really surprising that they, they did a, a full national squad, but um, good on them for for getting it done, and uh, now we'll just wait to see who actually makes the Commonwealth Games team.
0: Yeah, it was the, that clause there for the the Gary Kelly part was always interesting. But I guess when you have a bowler of that stature who is playing essentially in Australia full time, you you probably do have to <laughs> kind of put a clause like that in there. Uh, part of the release was they did indicate. they're sending to the European Championships. So the European Championships, it's like they're scheduled in July this year. Um, So that team has Gary Kelly on it, and then Stuart Bennett, Stephen Kirkwood, uh, and then Aaron Tennant and Mark Wilson uh, as well. So that's the team they're sending to the European Championship. I'm sure that in combo with the Commonwealth Games, they're likely going to be a... (laughs) almost the that team i would think might be the commonwealth games team but again i know they're they said they're announcing the commonwealth games team i think it was later this month here so uh, definitely some interesting things to look at on their website so if you want to check out as daryl's saying there's a few different websites uh because they separate their uh separate their bowls associations. so if you want to check them out there there is information about the women's team and the men's team on different websites there
1: yeah, John makes a good point, um, and it's actually a good point for all international athletes. He said Gary Kelly was, uh one simply because he likely won't be able to make it to the UK. There's a lot of players that are in New Zealand, Australia, maybe other countries, and because of COVID, um, the border restrictions are pretty tight. So trying to get someone, say, to come to Canada um, from Australia or New Zealand to actually do uh, practice is extremely tough right now. Um, hopefully over the next month or so, it'll get better. And probably the same for Ireland. Um, anybody going to the UK, um, other athletes traveling around who are down there. Um, it, it is a precarious situation trying to figure out who can travel, who can't, what restrictions are. Like If they leave Australia, are they easily going to be able to get back in? Um, you don't really want to jeopardize their uh, their day jobs down there or what they're doing down there. Um, to try to just travel them up for a week and then try to send them back, so it's 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 a tough situation for all teams trying to do that.
0: Yeah, I know it's going to be an interesting couple of months here to sort of see what happens with all the selections and hopefully everything kind of does continue as normal because I know like when we spoke with uh, Gary Willis talked about how they kind of have events planned essentially to get the the players from Australia playing together and I know that there's plans for even Canada to kind of get the team together and I'm sure there's other countries that are trying to do the same thing so hopefully things work out and they they are able to with the restrictions getting people who potentially reside abroad to get to whatever camps or whatever tests are going to be happening so well I
1: think
0: that was about all we had on the schedule there. So is there anything else you want to talk about today, Daryl?
1: Uh, not really. Um, everybody enjoy your Valentine's day. Um, that's, this is your, your one warning, you know, don't forget. <laughs>
0: you got a day, you got a day to go run out and <laughs> grab right. the stuff.
1: Go out for your emergency shopping now. All right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, just one last reminder, I guess, to uh, like, comment, subscribe. So, you're able to uh, hit the button there at the bottom of the screen. It'd be awesome to get any support we can. And I guess uh, if that's it, uh, may all your bulls be touchers.